0: Celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis.
1: She's a belter from way
0: back. She's the best singer in the world. Ow. Lisa, kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. We're coming <laughs> to you live from Connecticut, which is, um, if I had thought, 15, 15 years ago, I was going to be with Lisa Lampanelli in her childhood home. In yeah,
1: Connecticut. like, who is that? I've never heard of her. But since we took an acting class together and you looked up who I was and invaded my privacy, I'm like, give her the address. She sounds safe.
0: <laughs> well, that's actually something that really, really appeals and attracted me towards you, right, is mm-hmm. we did this improv. I remember it was a duo, mm-hmm. you and I silent improv, and we just started. And I gravitate towards you. Absolutely yeah. gravitate. Mm-hmm. And I knew you were someone and then I get out and then I start looking. And I was like, holy shit, yeah, I know who Lisa is. Yeah like, I think
1: if you Google comedian with blue hair, it's probably me and no one else at this point. And they better not steal it. Okay. Just like learn about it. It's my thing.
0: Well you do like genuinely as much as I'm like, how the heck did I come across you of all things we do a comedy show. We okay. do a we do an okay. acting class in New York. Right. We ended up to get there the impact you have on people is that something you've always known like you you grab the attention of the whole room you know what's weird i don't even i think i just
1: learned it recently i swear to god i have no perspective on if anyone's ever heard of me i have incredibly low self-esteem when it comes to like am i even does they even remember me like not in a like self-hate way but a way of like you yeah, know it's comedy maybe it's not for everybody so the other day this is so random i was at this really nice restaurant in the city before going to a broadway show and Lauren michaels is sitting across the room and my friend is like totally gagging she's like that's Lauren michaels and i was like i met him once i'm sure it had no impact it's fine but I go, I have to force myself to get the esteem to walk up to him and say, hello, I'm not a big interrupter. I don't like to interrupt people when they're eating because I know how food is so important to me. But I looked when it was a pause and I said, make yourself go over there. And my hand was shaking. So like you would think someone who thinks they're a big shot or they were a comic for 31 years would not feel that. But if you don't know your worth or your power it's hard to embrace it but i was proud of myself for going up it was fantastic and i'm like all right you you do have a little thing it's hard to remember
0: that but what was the fear like you say your hands are shaking when you're walking up what is the fear The like they it went well but what if it didn't well i would say
1: i have screwed up or what i think is screwed up with super famous people before in that i go up and i don't know what to say like i literally steve martin that's where i met lauren lauren the first time and it was just this random thing where steve martin's chef knows me and he told steve and steve was like oh my god invite her to my new year's eve party but dude that's so random like i didn't get invited to that kind of shit like i got invited to openings and things like that but i was like steve martin's house are you high? so me and my ex-husband went when we were married and i'm like what do i even say if you don't have a friend in common with a celebrity, what do you say? Yeah. You say, I love your work. And they say, I love yours. And you stand there like a douche. So that's what I was worried. And I, I, I've I not been great at conversing with super famous people. Because there's my level. There's whatever level. And then there's like Steve Martin level. I mean, this is like world famous legend. So I think what I was worried with Lauren was, suppose I have nothing to say. And I said, like, you know let me leave it at, hey, we met. Mm-hmm. The guy's... Three SNL guys were with him young one of the three of the young guys on the in the cast and I just praised them and it I'm great when I'm praising other people because I in my age if I'm not uplifting younger people then what am I doing like it's like those guys and they all dm'd me after and they were like oh my god you said such nice things in front of the boss and I was like <laughs> it was just natural if I'm not gushing there's a problem so I think I think when you do it for the right reasons but i'm still nervous because of him you know
0: i mean yeah even coming here like i said i'm nervous but i know because we're fortunate to spend 10 bloody weeks together every saturday and i get to know you and i'm like oh hello that's Um, my dog by the way
1: (laughs) (laughs) he thinks he's part of
0: this thing Mm -hmm. but part of that purpose and knowing what i wanted to talk about with you no matter what is In New Zealand, there's this thing called tall poppy syndrome. Tell me what this is. So the idea, the analogy is there's a poppy of fields. There's a field of poppies. Mm -hmm. And some will rise up. Maybe Mm -hmm. they've got better soil, better sunlight, whatever the reason is. And Mm -hmm. they start to creep up above the other poppies. And in New Zealand and like Australia, we want to chop them back down to our height. So it's like if someone's succeeding, someone's starting to rise up the comedy ranks. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey we want to bring them back down, down, cut you back down to size. Mm -hmm. Um, My interpretation of it too is you start to preemptively do it to yourself. So Mm -hmm. if I, yeah, with this podcast, I want to be successful. I think you should go into things, success is like a loose term, but I want to change the way people approach success and how they communicate with others. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, learn from me, right? Here's what you can save your time not doing. Here's the things I wish someone had maybe told me and that's going to help grow more poppies like it's not a net zero sum game right right but especially like you're doing comedy in new york there's endless and endless ambitious people trying to like succeed in there right surely there's got to be some you know tall poppying as i call it like dropping others down i mean i
1: use that it's i mean i know it's a term in australia and new zealand but you know it's everywhere like it's like they call it there but here it's rampant and the thing is it's so tempting Like, it is so tempting to look at people who are going up and going, oh, I mean, like, he's no big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, what what the hell does she have? So I think I was looking up. I started when I was 30. So it was later in life. um, It was like this shocking thing of like, oh, this woman who talks like a guy and she's just like different. And so at first, before I became successful, I was like, look at this. Everyone loves me. And I remember email had just started when I was getting successful, and the minute you get successful, there's like audience members, or not even audience members, but people in the public who are like, oh my god, I hate her, she's not funny, this, And I'm like, oh, because I now make money at this, even if it's, you know, just a basic living wage... Mm -hmm there's some, now I got to get open to the criticism and yeah. they try to chop me down. So I'd be like, Oh my God, what's wrong with me? Oh my God. But the whole thing was like, I always gave myself full, full permission to quit, which I did retire about five years ago, but I always gave myself permission to, if it wasn't fun anymore, I don't have to do it. Yeah. My father was an artist and he always said, just cause you're good at it. doesn't mean you have to do it, which I love. Cause it's too much pressure if you are looking for externals and that's why you're doing it. If he wasn't enjoying it, I think he stopped painting at 80 because he was like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. That's how I felt about comedy. So yeah, when people, you don't notice people hate you until you're successful. And then you're like, well, of course, like a Ray Romano would be like, I love his phrase. He was like, Oh, go cry on a bag of money. But it's the only thing the money does good for is getting therapy so you can figure out how to not let it bother you
0: yeah well there's two parts there right the first avenue i want to go down is like that's where insult your insult comedic line goes or if people mm-hmm. are going to heckle you mm-hmm. you can have something to come back with but before that my dad has always said um he watched some dave chappelle documentary and know your price mm-hmm. know when to walk away so yep you're saying it's when it stops becoming fun Um, right for me yeah I mean I think like
1: Steve Martin I remember it's really famous in that book uh I think the book's called Standing Up it's like the best biography about comedy and he is pretty famous for like he wasn't enjoying it for a while and that guitar didn't come or the banjo didn't come down from the ceiling at Madison Square Garden and he was just like I'm done like you just know so I just had a knowing yeah. and I noticed that I didn't enjoy it anymore. Um, and I get, this is total privilege shit. It's like, I get to walk away because I, thank God, had parents who made me save money, mm-hmm. who like from early on were like, save, 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 because we're depression era parents. Yeah. Not everybody has the privilege to walk away, no. but it's really interesting. Mine was always, if I'm dreading getting on a flight to go to a gig, there's something I gotta listen to.
0: yeah. But on that, like, I find before I go to do something that I'm I'm actually quite pumped about, like even coming here, mm-hmm. last night I start feeling like, oh, do I, do I, like, the nerves, do I want to go dress? And there's, like, that confusion between I'm getting out of my comfort zone and I want to yep. do it, and I actually don't want to do it for this. I know full well, because I've experienced it enough times, mm-hmm. I'm fucking pumped. Like, I yep. can't wait to talk to Lisa, but in doing that, there's an opportunity for me to
1: quite frankly, fuck it up. Well, I just finished a book, Jennifer Wiener's new book, number one bestseller. She's a novelist. And she, the ending is where the woman says to the guy, or the guy says something like, if I'm in, there's a chance to get hurt. Yes. And you have to either go in, and actually you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. That's the best thing about life. You kind of have to do anything except pay your bills and sometimes just cut those down too. So I just, am like, oh, with comedy, it's just like, it's an, Dana Carvey called it an emotionally violent profession Mm -hmm. because it's so hard. And it's so like, you're just up there and it's just you and you got nobody to save you and you have to be such a badass. And I'm like, it is violent because people throw things at you, not physically, maybe now, but not physically, but stuff that you have to handle. So I'm like, well, you know what? When it's, out of my comfort zone quote unquote like oh they asked me to do a huge stadium or radio city or whatever yeah i'm gonna do it but if it's like a definite knowing internally that this isn't right for me Mm -hmm. that's different so if you last night had had this internal knowing which is perfectly fine like i don't think podcasting is right for me anymore then it's totally okay to be like yeah that's what's next yeah because my my logic is if you found the first thing you're gonna find the next it's nothing to worry about ever.
0: So you weren't scared when you decided to retire from comedy? There wasn't.
1: No, I have a very, well, look, I'm smart. I like caught my business manager five years before. I was like, yeah, Leon, I don't think I want to be doing this much longer. How much do we have to save? Yep. Um, I had multiple residents. I have four different places I live. And um, I stopped being fancy. I stopped, I sold the places. And once the big place sold, like that was like, a sign i was like oh yeah we, we we can get out of this and uh i'm really i don't live poor or small but i definitely don't find value in those things anymore that i used to do yeah and it's funny to have done them it's hilarious the places i used to stay or like the stuff i used to buy but i'm like what did it add really it's an ego hit and then it's kind of not
0: i mean it does feel good that ego hit especially when we're relating it back to like tall poppying as I say Mm -hmm. you are growing and you're on the up and up when people are trying to maybe tear you down you find comfort in the other tall poppies Mm -hmm. and then it's hard to relate to people who aren't operating in the circles maybe you're at like right keeping connections with people who aren't selling out radio city or who Mm -hmm. aren't having all these wild entertaining ambitions was that important for you
1: I mean, now i i it's gonna sound it's it's weird wording i never had friends who played at that level i mean that level is really rare Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but like why would it matter if somebody's like i have a good soul they're a great person they work on themselves my biggest requirement is friend in friends or people I hang around with is do you work on your shit because i cannot with people who won't go to therapy and with people who like consistently know there if they say things like i'm just codependent i'm just a people pleaser that's fine but then you're stuck and i'm just like i you gotta work on it yeah and so meaning what i value in a person is much more i don't look at somebody as like what have you done it's like what work are you doing on yourself
0: what work are you doing on yourself
1: me yeah oh i have a trauma therapist even though i have no capital t traumas thank mm-hmm. god I had, we all had tons of small T ones, you know, where, you know, your mom ignored you that time or the kid in school didn't invite you to the party, like stuff that like literally makes us act horribly now. Yeah, I noticed, um, Lennon Doyle just did a podcast a couple weeks ago about how the wound of being left out, it stays forever and it's really working on that and being sad about it. And then not trying to fix it in your kids and all that stuff. So those are small T traumas. So I work with him every week. on just, if I'm mad at someone disproportionately, you know, it's from the past. Like I have a friend who literally this week was like saying something about something I really valued, like a a theater I valued here growing up because my parents used to take me and stuff. And she was like, well, I don't care about that place. I don't care if it's burns to the ground. And I'm like, oh, I hate her. I'm so mad at her and I'm like I'm not mad at her I'm sad because it's something from my childhood that I value and I have to work on the attachment yeah and make sure I'm okay with that but it was so funny because most people I think if they don't know to go deeper would be like oh now I'm just mad at her we have different values and we hate each other it's just dumb
0: no that and that's exactly what pertains I think from people I've spoken to through the podcast olympians right like two-time mm-hmm. olympic champions yeah. people who hold world records people who are producing and creating and doing like insane things mm-hmm. and a lot of the common thread when i ask about tall poppy and mm-hmm. why that is they go it's an envy or it's a re- not envy it's a reflection on themselves mm-hmm. so when you see someone else succeeding it's like their success comes at detriment to mine so in that situation and never does isn't and, that crazy
1: yeah. it's just like everyone who's six, there's always enough success to go around. I know it's cliche. It is true. Like just cause I'm, I've got a date at a big place. Doesn't mean there's not room for somebody else. Yeah. You know, I think that's, but I think every single person is lying if they don't say there isn't an initial twinge. Yeah. Your job is to know it's a trigger from the past and to work on the twinge so that it lasts less and less. Like I'll see girls half my age, being selling out like big places and not with the ones who i'm friends with right now um but like if it's somebody who i don't think is that funny even though it's subjective and none of my business i'll feel a little eh, and then i go oh, something to work on mm-hmm. so all internal shit like i coach three comics and they are not allowed to say somebody's not funny they're not allowed to compare they're i just i'm like you guys work on your stuff go to the shrink stop
0: yeah that's what i was gonna say is it different for the comic like if one of your comics that you've trained coached is selling out all those stadiums would that feel different oh would God, you no, feel the so happy yeah
1: I be, well i don't think ownership i uh, actually i'm always cracking up with them because we're like they're like we wouldn't even be doing comedy if it wasn't for you and i'm like yeah you would you wouldn't be doing it as well okay. i just or as fast because I, yes. I, I wouldn't be saving you all the steps because yeah. the thing is like it really is good to know like oh, that's really not your persona. Like, you're kind Mm -hmm. of being, selling stuff short or whatever. And we definitely, we write more clever stuff as a group. But I think it's just like, I love the idea. It's like having a niece or nephew succeed. You're like, oh my God, like, I'm so happy. Like, it's so cute. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That persona thing, right? Obviously, the tag line, Lisa Lampanelli, queen of me. Mm -hmm. And because of how I know you Mm -hmm. you, you're not me that's like the literally that can't be that that's the opposite of who you are Mm -hmm. and so when you're thinking persona and it touches upon it in a lot of the podcasts and the research if anyone digs into you even slightly is like that was starting to get misunderstood the way you your comedy was was actually including absolutely everyone that's right but getting interpreted wrong right and so in terms of that persona you had and you have, um, when you go from like on the stage into everyday life, right? Right. How is that? Like, people are expecting,
1: yeah, they're expecting you they like mean to them or whatever. And I'm, I mean, even before I retired, I was like, when they come up and I'd just be all nice and they'd be like, oh my God, like, so, like, you know, you're mean on stage, but like, how are you so nice here? And I'm like, yeah, I know it's boring, but I think a lot of it was that, like, with Don Rickles. Also his nickname was Mr. Warrant and he was the best insult comic ever. And they always said, and I met him a few times, luckily, um, and they were like, he is the nicest guy off stage. Because they say, I think you have to be so nice off stage to do that on it's an act. It's a it's a clever way of doing this alter ego thing. Mm -hmm. So I like that it. it's like a bait and switch and like can you get off and just be normal? That being said, I have been shitty to some people. I'm 62 years old. We've all done things we're ashamed of. We've all done things that if we're backstage and somebody, I don't know, I had a security guard once who like said some like joke that was a little sexual and like I'm very sort of like not into that. And I I was just like, get the head of security. And I was like, you have to get rid of them. Like it made me uncomfortable. So i and i've done mean things like i've checked into hotels and years ago and I'm you're tired you had no sleep or whatever and you're like is my fucking room ready yeah like are you kidding me and my manager would always go he you have to do what my other clients do because she has a really nice client she was call your assistant and she yells you don't and i'm like but i never was that person i was always me yeah so yeah we all have those all those sides For every story you hear about an actor or a comic or anyone who's an asshole, there's someone else who thinks they're great because we're all doing the best we can in that moment and we've all fallen short. I've fallen short thousands of times, but luckily, I mean, I don't think, I mean, if they're mad, they should contact me and I'll apologize because I have no shame in that. But I think we're just all both
0: sides of everything. What do you think then about obviously social media rampant from when you started oh your God. career to God, now? God, I didn't have it. Yeah, because there is no, there, it's mm-hmm. constantly whether or not you're the one putting yourself out. You engage with social media pretty frequently, I would say, mm-hmm. but like other people all the time comments, this, Lisa Lampinelli, ding, 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 ding. Like, wh- yeah, what are your thoughts on people who are coming up now with that? Or like I yeah.
1: would have not been able to survive. I've always been the I don't read reviews person. Yeah. Um, and that whole thing of if you read the good ones, you got to read the bad ones, yeah. like John Water said. Um, but um, I don't know if I could have handled it. I would have been, I tell my niece has a really huge podcast, and I tell her turn off comments. And if you insist on engaging, um, and it's a very, like a very podcast that isn't. They're um, controversial or anything, but someone will always find something. Yeah. And I'm like, it hurts your feelings. You're sensitive. You're an Enneagram 4, the most sensitive one. I go, no, don't read them. But people can't help themselves. No, you want to
0: know. Is that podcast that they do? What is. And that's why we drink. And that's what. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So good. Oh, wow.
1: I know. I'm so proud of them.
0: Seriously. Yeah. I, I reckon, like, for me, even part of what gives me strength and confidence with this podcast is I'm always talking to someone else. Mm -hmm. And so the feedback, I haven't found anything on me, but it's also very small at Mm -hmm. the moment. And I'm getting to talk to people who in my eyes, you know, are the tall poppies who have come up and that advice is constant of you have to love what you're doing. You have to have the purpose and keep going and not be swayed. Like take some feedback on if it's helpful Mm -hmm but you need to want to do it for yourself and if no one listens no one listens but you can keep yourself going you can and but i think i was about to say and i'm absolutely wrong i was about to say
1: well you're an athlete so you're probably tougher than most but then i had seen that documentary on the olympic athletes who like commit suicide and stuff and i get that i never had suicidal thoughts but you know they once the olympics are over it's like, what's my purpose? What do I even, who am I? Who's? What's my identity? I went through that whole, oh my God, I'm a retired comic. What am I? And I'm like, oh, I'm a human. Like, but it took seven years to get there. So I think it's, it's I don't think an athlete makes you tougher. No. And it's sad because I wish it did. I just think parent, good parenting makes you tougher. And unfortunately, not. and this is not, nobody had bad parents in what we're talking about here. But like, no one got the parents they deserve which is the perfect ones because there are no perfect people no so even people raised the best that I know still have those little um oh, those little
0: sad moments of like oh somebody said something about me somebody didn't invite me mm-hmm. and it hurts because then you get that like you said the, the little t's no capital t traumas but the little t's of Yeah, if your parents were super loving and super supportive then maybe where'd your grit come from well
1: that's what I always I always say oh my god her whenever i'll see the girl who is like just too i <laughs> her parents loved her too much because like oh my god because of jesse Kirsten, if you she's a phenomenal comic in the city and elsewhere and she has this great bit and it's probably not politically correct now but i don't care it's called the confident ugly girl and she makes this face and she's like there are these women who like trick you and you're like are they pretty and like because they're just so confident yeah and it's like i i that's when I, I mean, when you asked about the work I did on myself, not only do I go to Brad, but I also go to. Uh, I have a food therapist in London, mm-hmm. food and body image stuff. I have always had such weird bodies and like like how I look and stuff. And I always knew I was quirky looking and just not a like not a classic beauty, but I was I was fine. But like from the neck down, you have all that stuff going on. So I can't understand how anyone who is pretty has problems and they do that's so stupid it's like it doesn't guarantee confidence or a good life yeah it's just everybody has it a little bit hard
0: and that just made me think of I have one sister and uh, Paige she's older like Mm -hmm. four or five years older and when I was in probably middle school and you get to the stage where you start you know being giggly and Mm -hmm. you're trying to just make everyone you're laughing at the boys or that you want everyone to like you and she said like You don't just want to be the giggly, pretty girl. Be smart. You yeah. want people to respect you. And I'm paraphrasing what she said, but that really hit because I admire and respect her so much. She's like, giggling at people and laughing. Sure, if things are funny, Sure, laugh. Have yes. humor. But that you don't just want to be known as that. You want to have mm. intelligence. You want to have some persona. Something else to identify with, which relates to what you said before about identity and athletes. Mm. The post-Olympic depression people get into because you've got metrics constantly and Mm. for me it's that whole thing of relating back to tall poppy of comparing yourself to others or chopping yourself down because I do it that way is like I came to the states for rowing which when you know it's your parents friends or family they think that's the greatest whereas then my you're in the circle right once you're in the circle people go oh well what's school and then then, Uh, it never (laughs) ends yeah well well, what boat are you in? Oh, Did you go? And so you start to think like, unless I'm at the Olympics winning, it's not enough. Like, and then it's not not it's, enough to
1: do that because then what do I do after? Am I doing enough charity work? Am yeah. I in the happy family and the marriage? It just never ends if any measure of your worth is external. Yeah, like somebody should be able to have a job as a. I'm trying to sound a thing of a job that's probably the not the hardest, but, like, something that you don't brag about. Mm-hmm. Like, the grave diggers, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Is he's a guy who digs a grave? I don't know. You should be able to have that job and have the best self-esteem because nothing matters other than internal. And if I'm nice to everybody, like, a few years ago when I was struggling to have, because I had no identity, supposedly.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, okay, I'm just going to be like, because I have two nephews who are PAs in the hospitals. And so, um... There's that first do no harm thing mm-hmm. that doctors have. I was like, okay, even if the rest of my life all I do is not harm anybody, that's enough. Yeah. So boy, if somebody's digging graves and being nice to everybody sounds like a good life to me and you're paying your bills and nobody you don't know child support or yeah. whatever. Like yeah. I just think striving and success are just, I think it's all external fixes. And again, yeah. we all have to do something. We all have goals and dreams, but that's not where the esteem can come from. That's called other esteem. Self esteem is comes from internally. If I'm getting my esteem from selling out a big tour, it's not going to last. And it's nothing. Not saying there's anything wrong with doing that, mm-hmm. but also don't kid yourself, Lisa. You got to work on your shit.
0: And that pertains to like when your father. I'm sorry because he's passed away, yeah. but you said when you were helping him, mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that's where the self-esteem comes, like, yes. comes from, of I'm actually helping, you're helping your siblings, you're mm-hmm. helping, so ultimately, like, that contributed to your decision to retire from comedy, Yeah, it?
1: totally, because, like, my dad got sick, and he had, like, he was always, a, like, a really sweet, humble guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, artist, so not, like, super fucking, uh or I anything. Mean, my mom was tough when she was like me she was yeah. fucking mental uh, she was wild so and also even helping her like for the last six months it felt really good yeah and it's hard it's not fun if you you know it's hilarious because my mom you know she was tough like she wouldn't let us do certain things as far as like helping her she wouldn't wear her hearing aids she wouldn't let us like she'd like try to trick us and not use a walker like she could have fallen and stuff. she's she was crazy i'll be like that by yeah. the way i'm sure i will and but that's where you get that little oh i feel better about myself for the right reason yeah so i'm not saying like people right now quit your aspirations and don't do anything but don't think it's going to solve everything and it's like men 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 in the old days with like wall street remember in the 80s or whatever that you see the movies and stuff They thought all that stuff was money was the answer to everything. It's like money's real good
0: and it's kind of doesn't increase your happiness that much. No, unless you're paying for a shrink. And the way that things trend and change, it's like, especially at the speed it's going now, like podcasting five years ago wasn't a big thing right. and now it's absolutely rampant you've got like a, yeah. you've got a whole podcast yeah, um, series have, out know, there like an yeah yeah um so it's like if you're trying to measure against what's trending or in the western world what's trending because obviously from new zealand mm-hmm. absolute success for so many people is you're getting milk from the cows That's right you're able to put petrol in your boat to go fishing on the weekend and pure bliss yes right when you get a bigger fishbowl sometimes mm-hmm. you're in there and you're like on oh, the little fish again mm-hmm. for me and circling back to something we said before like the grind and the rise and the come up like ultimately i have ambitions to podcast full-time sure. be a journalist like i think mm-hmm. that would be incredible but i'm aware from things i've listened to is like these are the moments now when you know you're setting up a zoom it's and this like and that. that how so much what, can i tell you please
1: after i retired i was like well what did i like best about the career honest it was open micing which is basically you're like writing a little five minutes you're going up whatever and i go wait but that wasn't really the fun part of the night the fun part was sitting at the diner after with all the other comics and going around and doing jokes and kind of writing things down hey help me with this so i was like wait a minute if i help my three uh friends bo nick and andrew every tuesday Oh, I've just taken the best part of 31 years. I do it every week. Yeah. And I just taught my first comedy workshop, like a weekend workshop a couple weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I'm, I really like this. Cause it's, I'm being myself. I'm just, I don't even have a lesson plan. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I literally have two exercises that get them to over the weekend to what they should be talking about, at least for their first five minutes. So what I'm saying is, You distill back what was the best thing, and like you say, setting up the stuff and being scrappy, like like everyone. My niece Christine started, and that's why we drink. She's like, "Oh my God, we just bought like a microphone, and like 40 people listen to the first one." And we're like, "I don't know, but let's just have fun." If you go into a career going, "Let's just have fun," it kind of can't lose because even if it doesn't become a huge thing, Mm -hmm. you had fun. Yeah, it sounds so easy coming from someone who already made it, but boy that is the fun fun stuff is what it's about because it's no like even with this acting class um i just signed up because i thought it sounded cute i i i use the word cute all the time if it sounds cute for me i do it yeah so okay it's cute okay cute i could like you know get a coffee walk to the studio park my car be like okay i have an acting class and then you just like have a cute little time
0: i don't want to do parts no i don't want to do shows just have fun but on that like I had the privilege of getting to watch you and everyone else in the class right Mm -hmm. you're fucking good like if
1: you wanted to no I think I know and I think as my dad had said um just kind of know you're good and then not have to do it but that being said if something my I get offers a lot just little things you know and uh if my manager was like oh um I don't know, some show, Hacks. Yeah, oh, Like Hacks got in touch with me last year. It didn't work out. But they're like, oh, Hacks says they want to try to get you in this season. And now that I took that acting class, I'm like, oh, I can nail that. Yeah. But I think it had to be in the right order. I had to do it when it just sounded fun. Mm. And before, when I did acting classes, it was forced. It was too advanced. I want to start at the beginning and just be like, oh, what are the basics? You know?
0: Can you tell me about that? Because I recall you saying why you decided to come in and begin a walk oh, yeah. because you have done other yeah oh it was what? insane like i
1: literally when you're semi-famous or famous like you do not go in back then at least you don't go into a beginner acting class like it's like why would you you're already accomplished and they give you this line of like oh look, you've been acting for 18 years on stage stand-ups and acts it's like no it's not it's being yourself so it never really hit me right that they were right but of course I'm on this thing of like I guess so so I did like a lot of different acting studios in LA and New York and then one summer there was this I mean it's still there Yale has that acclaimed masters of course which Mm -hmm. is 10 people a year or eight maybe but they have a summer program where they take I think like 50 people I was like oh summer course I bet I could get in just because of my name and that actually was really good because everyone was young and it was other than me and it was like an equal playing field but then i was like wow i kind of still felt like i didn't get out of it a a foundation yeah yeah so then with this class i was like dude you want to have fun you want a hobby learn acting from the beginning just like my dad started painting from the beginning when he retired from his real job i'm like oh okay this is fun so i think that's the point is like just because you're have a reputation that you're good
0: mm-hmm.
1: no, nothing matters other than the relaxation you feel by learning something from the beginning
0: yeah and seeing other people in the class too like i'm even thinking of like just go the teacher mm-hmm. oh my god right but she knows who you are she gets in there and she's probably thinking like oh what am i gonna teach her
1: yeah yeah yeah. which is so weird because how about everything yeah you know i could teach this class on stand-up um couldn't tell you what an acting tool is couldn't mm-hmm. tell you i mean hopefully after the next class i'll know more um and i'll just feel more equipped going on to a set because i used to go and do these movies or tv or whatever i used to feel so bad because i'd be like i don't know what i'm doing yeah i have imposter syndrome now i don't now i'm like oh come on give me that monologue my problem now is learning how to memorize and once i conquer that I would actually walk on confidently instead of in that they're gonna find out.
0: They're yeah, going to find out I suck. Yeah, you know the imposter syndrome because I think that's a huge part of tall poppy, however we want to call it in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you got over that. You just say it like it's a, eh, and I got over. Oh that. well,
1: well, um, I never had imposter syndrome with comedy. Why? Because I always knew I was good, but I started late. Remember. I already knew myself as a person. So I'm 30. I take a little class to figure out what to talk about. And I was like, oh, yeah, come on. Like, this is going to happen, whether it's just earning a living at it. Like, it's just, uh, this is who I am. But with acting, there was huge imposter stuff because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. People trained for 20 years. Some actor said it takes 30 years to become a good actor. And I was like, they're right. And I'm like, uh, so I, anytime I walked on like a movie set or whatever, I'd be like, "Oh my god, this is what they're gonna find out." But with Tommy, I never had that. I was like, "Fuck yeah!"
0: You knew, "Fuck you yeah!" Inherently, there's
1: very few things I know that about. I know I'm a great driver. I know I'm a great parallel parker. I'm like magical. People die for my parking. and They gag. And this—that's pretty much it. I'm not natural at anything else. I have to really work at everything else, like being nice. I have to work hard at paying attention to my dogs yeah because I'm like outside with them I'm like oh god it's bored you suck like what are you walking around sniffing like gross so I it doesn't come naturally to me to do a whole lot of
0: stuff yeah but I keep practicing it and the comedy too from your first start what's it seven years before I think it was about before you even kind of feel like who you are is kind of solid yeah and like looking retroactively Mm -hmm. seven years again it's that it, it sounds like oh yeah a blip but seven years is a freaking long time so that's something that i find remarkable same thing with um this olympic Rara i had he said yeah we got our groove it took it took like seven years yeah and i'm like blink 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 how do you keep at something for seven years oh well, like 10 15 20 or like i said 30 years to become a good actor
1: i think that's the knowing that's yeah. the thing you know you're not an imposter at so basically if I know I'm good, yeah. My dad also, also used to say we'd laugh so hard because he was so humble. But he'd go, "When you're good, you're good." Like <laughs> I just was like, "Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Like I'm good." But it wasn't conceit; it was an inner knowing. And but anything else I've tried, uh, I have an inner knowing that it's not right. Yeah. So having been like going to Syracuse for journalism and being a journalist, I knew I could be the best editor in the world. But I didn't love it. I was not going to be the greatest writer. So I'm like, not right for me. No. So that I had imposter syndrome with that. So we try a million things. Maybe one of them hits. Yeah. And
0: we're like, yeah, that's the one that I
1: actually believed internally was right.
0: But you're age 30, right? So I think about it. People listening, people I'm going to talk to. Mm-hmm. Like it might be bowls when you're 80. Like when you feel that inherent in your gut. Like absolutely, this is my thing. Because if you haven't yep do you think like everyone has a thing i think if i'm I'm not everyone's
1: special (laughs) or every kid could be the president no they can't there's racism there's sexism there's systemic problems okay yeah i think we all probably have a gift but it doesn't have to look fancy so for instance my sister um, um this one of her gifts is that she I don't know how she cooks without recipes. Like I'm a great host. Mm-hmm. Like my house, I have game night so often. Yeah, I'm always like gathering people, but I'm not a good cook. Mm-hmm. But I know I could throw things together, and I also make them feel welcome. She has the gift of like, how do you know how to cook sauce? Like, what are you doing? She's <laughs> like, well, I'm Italian. Mommy used to do it. I'm like, what? How did I get that? Uh, my brother, he used to work for ESPN for years. He was a was sports center. His gift is that he can make young guys on the ball field. He runs a league now um, feel like they can get their gifts. You know what I mean? So the gifts might not look as fancy. And I think everybody thinks they have to have a capital P purpose and they don't They have have maybe a small P one, or even if they don't have that doing everything with purpose is where you find purpose. So if I'm like, I'm going outside with my dogs for 20 minutes and I'm going to let them walk around and let them have that. I'm doing it purposefully. Mm-hmm. So if I have a day cobbled together with 80 little dumb things that I do intentionally, then that's enough. It doesn't have to be fancy.
0: Okay. I love that. It, the, having an intent though. Cause I mean, if we're honest too, especially given the pandemic, there's a lot of times I was like, what is the purpose? What is yeah. it? Um, and that's when you look at other people, right? And you're mm-hmm. like, well, they're traveling Europe or they're getting this cool job or they're doing these things and that's when you start to look externally and maybe instead of thinking oh I'm motivated I'm seeing other people succeed you start thinking like oh well, they're only going to Europe because their parents are paying for it
1: oh I know it's so terrible we go right yeah. I it. I get it yeah
0: and I think the whole thing is going
1: the minute you've heard the expression I'm sure compare and despair because if you put yourself above someone you know it's shitty you put yourself below them you feel shitty So comparison is the thief of joy. It never works. It's awful, but we all do it. So I think it's almost going, I know it's awful, but I still do it and I have to catch myself. So I have to go, um, you notice a little twinge, like Mm -hmm. you said, and then you go, okay, I know that doesn't serve me. And I don't think you ever find purpose or what you're supposed to do through a quiz, through a career counselor. I think you find it if you sit the fuck down, shut up and notice. Yeah. And that takes a lot of time and a lot of balls because your friends might be this that the other and you're just like it's going to come to me and it always does but nobody has the patience to wait.
0: The patience to wait in that thing of comparison is a thief of joy. Oh. Another one I fortunately heard young And I would say, well, comparison's also the giver of joy, right? Like, I might feel like something wasn't good until I found out my friend got a worse grade. But "Ah." that's not joy.
1: What is it? It's false sense of accomplishment. Because Mm. it's really, it's, joy is internal and lasting, even through painful things like deaths or whatever. Uh, That other stuff's a little hit that's fleeting. Yeah. And it doesn't last. That's what sucks. It's like that's what booze doesn't work and drugs don't work and uh, buying jewelry and I mean you know, I've done I haven't done a lot of booze or drugs because I'm a pussy but like um, food uh, whatever like uh, buying a fancy dress whatever it never lasts. Goldie Hawn yeah. I remember was on Oprah once talking about this happiness study that said no matter what you get in your life whether it's a house new house new body from whatever you do uh, new job whatever. After nine months, you're back to your base level of happiness. And I'm like, she's right. Because, like, you can get the best house in the world and suddenly, oh, I still in my life. Wherever you are, there you are.
0: But then how do you increase that base level of happiness? I don't think
1: you do. I think, I mean, I think it's just by, first of all, get your chemicals straight.
0: Yeah. Like, honestly,
1: like, I'm all for, <laughs> if somebody has <laughs> mental health stuff and they have to take Hey, I don't take meds for like Lexapro or Wellbutrin or any of mm-hmm. that stuff. But boy, all my friends do. And I'm so happy for them because they're young. They get it. Yeah. If I needed it, I would. What I needed was to get my chemicals straight, which was hormones. And I hit 45 and I had none left.
0: Oh, wow. Well. And
1: I was all fucked up because yeah. mentally it throws you off. So I think you get your chemi- chemistry right. You work on your internal issues. And then you kind of just got to be patient and make it happen
0: yeah that's another thing too right is i especially new zealand which is what i cater a lot of my mm-hmm. discussion to mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah mental health is important and therapy's great but not for me you know i don't need it oh yeah you <laughs> need it though it's like fat phobia when uh, people are like oh my god you look great fat
1: but you know it's not for me it's like total put down yeah it's like totally like so you fear being, you know, this thing that isn't that bad. Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. So I think that's just obviously fear. I I have a lot of family who would never go to therapy because of fear. And I have empathy for them mm-hmm. and compassion because, you know what? That's life, man. I have a, one of my best friends. I'm, she is never going to therapy. But there's a sweatshirt I read that I loved, which was accept people where they are, but know where to place them. So I'm going to go to her. I'm going to accept that she'll never go to therapy. She's the greatest, yeah. most loving person. I never, I know where to place her in the friendship category of I'm not going to talk to you about advanced trauma work because you won't get it. And that's okay. Yeah. So I know to place her on the second shelf and not the, t- the first one. Yeah. So I'm going to reach for the first shelf first, the ones who get all that stuff. So it's accepting acceptance is everything in all that's a whole answer to all of life but yeah the it's not for me it's just fear and i have to empathize with people like that i have to go well that's sad for them
0: is that the same thing for those if we're relating it back to again tall poppy and those people who do want to tear you down shit on you find the thing to poke and press on it is it empathy or is it not caring about what you mean mean if
1: somebody sends me like a nasty comment or whatever first one thing you have to acknowledge it hurts yeah the anger is just to me my anger for that kind of stuff has always been secondary emotion it's always i'm super sad that everybody doesn't like me yeah
0: yeah
1: and this shrink i talked to once said a third of the people love you a third will hate you and a third don't care (laughs) and I like to concentrate now on the third that don't care because it doesn't matter. Like, who the half am I? I'm some fucking Yahoo living in the suburbs in their childhood home with a mailbox. Like, what? who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. But I think that whole thing is like, I find it hard to look at them with compassion and empathy, but it's getting easier. I'm still not, I'm not a love your enemies. And Glennon Doyle said the greatest thing last week, because she, I don't, I wouldn't say she's religious, but she was raised Christian. Yeah. And she said, in the Bible, like when Jesus said, turn the other cheek, it didn't mean so it could get slapped again. It meant to turn to the light or to the right thing for you. Mm. I'm like, oh, so when somebody says something to me mean, it's not, oh my God, here, slap my face again, because I've self-loathing. It's, oh, you know, I'm going to turn this way and that's okay like I get to be with the people who support me or whatever but it's damn hard to to make a meal out of those insults that's really hard for some people to wait well, if somebody comes at you
0: yeah and I had in preparation anticipation of us talking I was obviously scouring through a bunch of like interviews and podcasts and um there was things you were saying about like the more you've distanced from when you like you know you're on Howard Stern you officially retire from comedy mm-hmm. the anger has been fading well it's an active work like i
1: literally work on worked on anger for like years it's just so hard because it's again it's not my my family my mom was a yeller Mm -hmm. like she was really loving and stuff but she was a rager so you didn't know it's like living with an alcoholic you don't know which one you're gonna get is mom gonna be happy or sad or whatever or mad so of course i see my mother having all this power in the house i'm not gonna be like my dad and be all humble and nice yeah but that didn't win so i turned to my mom which on stage is fucking great because you can battle these people but then it's like oh that doesn't serve you in life Yeah. that being said i will fucking. Def- i'm one of my traits is i'm really protective so like you come after somebody i know and love like I'm really I get really angry and defensive and protective but even now like a guy was like mean to me in a CBS a couple weeks ago and I stood up for myself because I was like dude all you owe me is an apology right now back off yeah I'm careful never to curse anymore because they go what the?" F-? they concentrate and they um shame you for your language yeah. and they police you I was careful not to yell and so I can go into that CVS whenever I want now because I haven't made myself back. But there were two 15-year-old girls behind him. And I was like, at least one of them is saying I could stand up for myself if that bitch can. Yeah. And I really am like, I can't. I said to my shrink the next day, I was really upset. And I'm like, Brad, I mean, like, how much do I have to be shit on? He goes, none. He goes, what you did was totally fine. That guy was a bully. Yeah because if I do something wrong I'll admit it but it was like wild how wow I'm still working on that stuff
0: and is that something too like when you're especially a female in comedy not that you're a minority necessarily but there's a lot of men in general and I know we joked about it of the why not me to movement Um, etc and I that's like an antidote that I just think is hilarious but also like very curious and inquisitive right like the people don't fuck with you they just it was wild i really
1: don't know what saved me i i don't know man because i always go how did i escape anyone touching me inappropriately saying anything and i just my manager you know she's she's just like i just think the guys are all scared of you and because you wouldn't fuck with my mother either no so But then again, I bet there's badass women like me who did get fucked with. So I don't, I think I was protected by the universe somehow. I always think I was only given as much as I could handle. Like I Mm -hmm. didn't see my father had some uh, brain, like a a nerve problem in his brain and he fell down. And this was like years ago before he was even sick and I would happen to be away at college. I think the universe knew I couldn't handle seeing that. Like, I just, there were certain things I go, I've been just lucky. So with the Me Too stuff, yeah, we, me and Joan Rivers would joke around. of like, oh, we well, didn't get anything. What's wrong with us? But you go, Jesus Christ, I'm lucky. Yeah. I think some things can't be explained. No. But also with the comedy and the men, like back then, there weren't very many women when I was doing it. And if they were, they were talking about typical stuff, like shopping and mar- marriage and things like that. And I was just like different so um i think i just got like where where, who the hell is this like what's what who's this bitch Mm -hmm. and it was cool so i always liked doing comedy like a guy it just felt right
0: and part of it too like your comedy is it nanette there's a documentary australian i
1: love her
0: yeah and hannah gatsby i was watching it and the part that i really appreciated is she says you know self-deprecation it's not humility it's humiliation and all those who identify with you um and so when you stand up in that cvs or when there's a security guard that you're like nah get rid of him you're someone for whatever reason the universe like you said protects you you've got that self-assuredness you do you speak up because others can't and that 15 year old is going to look at you. i hope
1: so yeah that would be all worth it because i was really upset about that because i always think because i've worked on myself and anger and all oh i should be above it it should be okay if people yell at me i should be able to just be like oh i'm sorry sir and i'm like no this motherfucker was wrong like i'm giving a bad example to these girls yeah like you should see even like i'll go on the road with christine sometimes to their shows and i am like a protective bitch because i'm just like why are you coming in the dressing room what is ha- okay why is no one watching their stuff like i just fucking go so you know what it, for better or worse I still have my flaws. I still have my craziness. But I think as long as we're kind of inching more towards what's okay for us, at the end of the day, it will be fine. I'll probably still be a 90 year old woman, in 30 years fucking yelling without my hearing aids in and telling my nieces and everything to fuck away from me. I could walk myself. We can only work on ourselves as much as we can get there.
0: Is your grandma like your mom's mom? Cause I think mm-hmm. from what it sounds like, what I interpret is a lot of this just general Badassness yeah. comes from your mom. Yeah. What was your grandma? what
1: well, like? was, was nuts.
0: Okay, my grandfather was the best. He was a
1: coal miner. Like uh-huh. think about that's a hard ass job. So in Pennsylvania, in the coal uh-huh. mines, they moved to Connecticut to a really like urban area, and they're Polish and Italian. So he was a big guy, and he worked at Remington Arms, which is a gun manufacturer that uh-huh. used to be out here. He had blown, like, part of his finger off. Like, he was just tough, and he'd do, at the end of the day, one shot and one beer. Like, he was so cool, but he was really loving and protective. My mother would tell stories about how, because she always had weight problems mm-hmm. up and down her whole life, and he once went to school, and he, I wish that these were, I, the old days were sometimes good, because he went up to the kid who was bullying my mother, and he said, he just whispered to him, you look at my daughter again and i love this it's so funny you could never do this now i will put my hand down your throat grab your heart and rip it out through your throat and walked away i said i was meant to live back then because <laughs> that shit is what i would like to do but he was really tough but loving so he had that thing i have which i think that tootsie pop thing of hard on the outside soft on the inside yeah. and my mother had that obviously and my grandmother though we always just think she was super quiet But like i remember about 20 years ago my mother goes to me why do you always have to say the c word on stage i go it's fucking great it's the best word ever i made it very popular and she's like oh it's i never heard that word till you said it and my mother's sister said to her gloria don't you remember mom used to call us and my mother and yeah my grandmother and my mother's like she did not and she's like gloria she did so i cracked up i'm like okay i get it from somewhere yeah it all is just family man it's all that stuff
0: i feel something about that like my grandma my dad's mom um she used to put me me and my sister in the back of the car and she'd say celebrities right in the back oh right and she had a place out on like a horse farm and she'd suddenly pick up the phone and be like grace the paparazzi and i was like she was full she was an absolute actress and i was like so into it so I got to live in these little fantasies when I would go to grandma's and my sister and I we would be, she, my sister was always on the camera and I just had this absolute getting to play with an adult like yes. this adult was feeding into it she was my driver, the paparazzi's here this oh. and like I feel that has come through my bones I and love, love it, right? and I get the blonde curls from her so yes. she's, she's passed but all the time I'm thinking oh there's those genetics it's more than just how you look there's that possess it is that something yeah it's frustrating man it's upbringing yeah.
1: it's so you know i mean the thing is ever uh, that's the thing when people say they won't go to therapy or it's not for them they think i think a lot of people think it means you're going to shit all over your parents mm-hmm. and blame them it's like really not like you yes they had flaws but then they have those things like your grandmother had which was fucking cool like yeah. my mother as much of a battle axe as she was when she would be yelling of the time she was fun and she's a great storyteller my mother used to tell stories I didn't even know what they were about but she was so interesting you'd be like oh okay that's really interesting and it was fun she had that hosting thing that rabble rousing stuff and she was protective and stuff so that's why it's like you know nobody's all bad or all good I mean, you'll even watch things about like not serial killers but like people who are kind of much maligned people mm-hmm. say the tanya hardings or people like that and you're like hear the real story and like oh you're both and yes we're all both bad we're both good and that's okay
0: and that relates to to what you said earlier like when your manager or agent's like don't yell get your assistant to yell yeah if people see me and it's 4 30 a.m and i'm getting to practice i'm not funny no i'm not if you, yes. that's the first time you've met me probably think okay she's she's a step. yeah Yeah, (laughs) exactly but if you meet me and i don't know i've just finished this crazy cool thing and i'm at my best form Mm -hmm. oh i love it and both are true both are 100% me and that's like when i look at people much like yourself and i'm Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh tall poppy absolutely smashing it Mm -hmm. same grain Think yeah but there's also the imposter syndrome there's those humanness so sometimes we put people on a pedestal yeah and don't appreciate like you know steve martin he's having a party he wants people to come yeah. even no matter how big or famous you are at some point in the littlest part of you probably like well i hope everyone has a good time oh, of course yeah like it's they don't see that
1: other side like when you'll hear oh you know like we said before like now know how it came out how you jackman's getting a divorce and yeah. um i've never heard anything bad about him and someone said oh i heard he's an asshole i'm like yeah we're all assholes at some point yeah. someone's gonna have a story And there's plenty of ones out there about me and that's fine. Hopefully I could spend the rest of my life being better and not being snippy at somebody, but you never know tomorrow. It could happen that I can't do my best. Like I did today. Yes. We all have things that are on our mind. That iceberg example of like, this is how much you see. This is what you don't know. That's why I'm the road. That's why I'm the driver, by the way, or part of it. i we have never had road rage because i always think if that person's feeding something's going on with them They're maybe trying to get somewhere maybe you never know god mm-hmm. knows so i think it's good to just go we're all everything
0: yeah oh and i'm going to wrap up mainly because we would just keep talking and talking yeah, yeah. the car made me think of it when i pulled in yeah. to confirm that it was you i looked oh there's legendary stickers on the back and yeah, one of yeah. them just said the word something something but badass and i was like show me that it's so
1: cool like i now have them all trained to like know me enough that i've showed myself who i really am to most of them and most of those stickers are like from nieces and nephews
0: yes well my vocabulary has evolved since i've met you and i'm (laughs) saying and coming out of my mouth it's hard hard to say because you say badass and i want to say that but the you know the british is like but badass (laughs) you guys (laughs) are classy well i
1: I the reason I love the I just I'm obsessed with look Cobra Kai oh. <laughs> and this is Eagle Fang, which yes. is from Cobra Kai. And the thing is, Billy Zabka, the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence, mm-hmm. who it's his redemption story. Basically, the whole series, the reason I identify with it, it's him redeeming how he used to act. Yes. When, when he was in high school, when he was an asshole for the credit kid. So I he always says badass to his people in the class and everything so I'm like kind of like feel like the way he is like redeeming myself one thing at a time you know I love so I that.
0: Love it. yes um I have a sign-off question but before on this topic of imposter tall poppy is there anything I didn't say or ask or we talked about that you'd want to you know put on the record Hmm, I just would say you're not going to escape it
1: yeah. people are going to cut you down and expect it i think the problem is i didn't know it was a thing so i just thought i this is how delusional i was what everybody's just going to be happy for me i honestly was like so i remember going to high school i i was in catholic like grammar school and everybody was nice yeah. like nobody was mean yet so i remember going my first day of freshman year and claire liftec the prettiest girl in the class <laughs> I always say her full name. She, and I've forgiven her. I'm just kidding. Um, she said, Oh my God, you have a big nose, like in front of the whole class. And I was so shocked. Yeah. I was like, What, what? Like, first of all, I just never thought about it. I do have, I'm, a, I'm an Italian fucking nose. What do you want? I'm um, yeah. mean, Jews and Italians, we have big noses. Big deal. So she says that. I was like, What? People are mean sometimes? Like, it was weird. So don't be surprised. If people start cutting it down and process the hurt, because I think the problem is we skip over the hurt. Yeah. And we're like, well, it's because they're this. It's like, yeah. And
0: process the hit. Why is it sad?
1: Yeah. Because if it resonates, I always say the things that hurt my feelings were things that, even roast jokes, like with women, when they, they're doing roasts, it's always like with women, it's like five categories ugly not funny stupid or uh fat Mm -hmm. so they never could do unfunny with me because they knew it wouldn't resonate (laughs) they never could do stupid with me and so it you always know what to expect okay they're going to do the ugly and fat one that's great once I lost the weight it was ugly and okay great so you knew it was coming so sadly you know when it's coming and we none
0: of us escape it wow thank you that that final question I'm curious too from like your journalism background I wasn't asking it earlier on in the podcast and then I started to because that's when you say like we've had this hour of dialogue and then hey like what didn't we touch upon mm-hmm. and that's when whatever's kind of lurking in the background comes mm-hmm. up and so I like that of, yeah. process the hurt oh, accept it and that's what we talked about earlier acceptance you don't need to fix it you don't need to forgive necessarily mm-hmm. or forget but process and accept that that is something that happened and you feel that hurt oh my god
1: grief is my superpower I love quitting I think knowing when to quit is Mm -hmm. a gift people stay way too long I get it it's fear of like being single again or um living um what am I gonna do with all my time if I retire or whatever change is hard so when you go okay my other superpower being just going oh I can feel sad and it's not going to kill me because the problem is people who aren't used to crying or that uh, stuff and they only cry in the car or whatever which i get they think they'll start crying and never stop and it always stops quicker if you let it happen yeah so if i'm sitting there and it's something to, like i have everything in my house reminds me of one of my parents or a niece or a nephew and I'm not thrilled to death that some of the nephews or nieces live far away. And it's sad to me. Oh, I wish it was like in the old days when everybody came over all the time and slept over. So if I have a little twinge of sadness and I fight it back, it's going to be all day. Yeah. If I go two tears. And then you're like, oh, no, that was fucking bad. <laughs> so I got really good at grief. I am I think grief is the most powerful thing we can use.
0: Yeah. Let your tears cry. Then make sure you get them out. Get them out. And, and, then... and guess what? They're going to come again. Because yeah. the
1: only guarantee of a good after a good day is a bad day and that's okay
0: see that's something i need to do because i'll always i always would just go to my room i'd rather process it alone and then you start to share that but that's vulnerability right like yeah
1: or it it sounds like you find somebody safe yeah because not everyone's safe no i i'm not a fan of people trying to ever give me advice because Trust me, I probably know more than everybody at this age about psychology or, or or at least like what works for me. Yeah. So if somebody says, you know, maybe you should try now. No the... I know I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to cry a little. Like I just need you to listen. I know it works for me. Yeah. So you know to go to the safe people and be vulnerable with them. I think the problem is vulnerability is a gift we bestow on a few people and not everyone. And I think also it's a real gift too to Admit to your failures and be like, yeah, say it out loud. Yeah, I effed up with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I screwed up. It's just like if you tell the right people, it the burden lifts.
0: It really does. Yeah. Oh, Lisa. Um, my sign-off Christian, and it's so surface compared to that. We yeah. always gotta cleanse the palate. And um, I'm curious too, because I know and we didn't really touch upon it, but there's so much out there with your food, body image, all those. Great things you do. So this question is about food, but I always say, um, if you could have just one meal for the rest of your life—breakfast, lunch, and dinner—what's
1: it gonna be? I am a big breakfast person. I love. love, uh, See, I'm just going with my gut now. I love. I unfortunately, because of surgery, I can eat very little. But say in a fantasy world, my stomach was normal size, and I could eat a big dinner. Oh wait, there's two. Cause there's that you know that big Belgian waffle with like oh like do bacon and yeah. shitloads shit of butter. I can eat butter by the spoonful. I don't care. I love food that's fatty and crazy. Honestly, in Connecticut, we are famous for New Haven pizza. Yeah, and hot dogs, grilled hot dogs or fried hot dogs. If you give me a fucking oh my god, I can't because I have to go there. But one hot dog. On a grill with sauerkraut, mustard, relish, and bacon. And then on your rings on the side, I, Lisa, that oh a Diet Coke. Oh, I remember the chant, suck a dick for a Diet Coke. <laughs> That's a new commercial, by the way. So
0: that is how we're going to sign off this <laughs> <laughs> profound. You see, so you are the epitome of the human being. It's all over the show. It's all over, baby. Yeah. We're it's all things. It's all things. It's humor, it's deep, it's family, it's everything. Just, thank you this is my inaugural in person yeah, it's yeah. pretty like you said scrappy i'm holding the mic The camera died you did great is everything so lisa thank you oh you're the best god bless thank you thank you so much for listening to tall poppy talk we'll see you next time feel free to check us out on socials youtube and the website thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time take care